Welcome to ADHD is Over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is Over. Welcome back to yet another episode on our favorite topic, ADHD. ADHD is over because we say so. And today, my favorite guest, my wife, Tatiana, welcome. Hello. You're not my guest. You're my partner. But since I am often ranting myself on the topic, it is always a pleasure to have a conversation with my partner. Thank you. So ADHD is over. Uh, You and I started this to uh, give voice or maybe perhaps uh, more volume to the alternative narrative that's not quite as loud out there. Yes. And today we're taking on a big nugget called taking responsibility. So um, we will reflect on how we got there today. That's why we decided to record this. But let's start off, first of all, by what is what does that mean? taking responsibility what does it mean to you that's a big question just in general other than we just spent about two hours prior to this discussing it (laughs) um maybe we should look at the word responsibility right the ability to respond that's a great place to start um what it is for me to to take responsibility for me is connected with the act of being responsible And what that means for me is that you are in full ownership of how you respond to whatever stimuli comes your way. So, or circumstance or event external outside from you. So are you saying that, um, because what I'm hearing is there's a power in being able to respond how you choose. Correct. And the distinction and the difference for me is that you're conscious that you are responding out of a choice, which is driven by your preference versus a reaction or an automatic or an automatic form of of um, of trigger action. Right. That just goes off immediately when certain thing comes on. So that is the technical distinction of what it means to be responsible. But that's in the technical side. Like, but at well, the, we, yeah. yeah, go ahead. And then there's, and then being responsible from a way of being also has a meaning for me, which is as a way of being is a place of um, standing in power where you're not subject or in the effect of something, but rather you're in, in full acknowledgement of yourself as the owner of your actions, which is a way of being of lot of power versus a way of being of victimhood. Yeah, and I was going to say that for me, what I'm hearing now in this after these two hours or hour of talking about taking responsibility and what it could look like is this almost like an unspoken second part of the word. For me, it's like the ability to respond, right? Responsibility, being in control fully of my emotions and coming from true power. Mm -hmm. And how this is relevant to ADHD and the conversation around ADHD and why for us and our family it's over because that this particular concept has played such a pivotal role in how we show up as parents, how we show up in our in the presence of um, in the presence of our son being labeled as ADHD, um, and and how we continue to to create an environment for him and for our family, like all of those have been impacted positively by this very subtle yet huge distinction. Yeah. Whether we stand in the effect of victimhood of like, oh, this is, this is happening to our son. This is happening to our family. 
we, he's broken, our family's broken, the only way out is through medication. Or the system is the way the system is, and unfortunately it's not ideal for us, but we do the best we can, but it still sucks, you know. There's a form of victimhood, perhaps, that today we have disguised it as the struggle, or uh, it's just how it is, or there's not much we can do because, right? And that's, none of that is what I'm hearing is powerful. It doesn't give you any uh, uh, life energy and force to actually do something that could work for the better. Oh, yes, or even if it is to say, you know what, AD, standing in a position that ADHD is an actual uh, chemical imbalance that we have no control over, and even that position still it's a place of you are subject now to a... But, mm-hmm. So all these are positions of, of victimhood that there's nothing wrong with that, but the only thing is that it, it cuts down your choices, and it cuts down your perception, your your um, awareness that there's so many other choices available that um, are within your power to mm-hmm. to do, and at the same time, are um, are actually the axis of a lot of fulfillment. Yeah, and I think just to kind of clarify or if somebody just jumped in now and they're fast forwarding, which I often do in podcasts, I don't blame you, but taking responsibility for something like ADHD that in the world is announced as that's how it is, you know, not much you can do. It's genetic chemical imbalance. It's a disorder. It's predisposed. It's, you know, it's almost like saying there's nothing you can do other than accept the fact that your kid, your son, your daughter is broken, right? Even though they're not using those words, a disorder, I mean, tell anyone you have a disorder and ask them if there's a lie detector, did you think of me as, as not broken or broken? It would be broken, little broken, tiny bit broken, right? We're so polite. We tell each other, no, that's, that's great. That's great. You know, you'll be fine. <laughs> but the word disorder implies broken, right? So having children be seen as broken where there's supposedly other than as Russell Barkley says, the most effective thing is medication other than taking medication or, you know, being at special ed and sort of treating your child as a ADHD disorder child. If there's nothing you can really do, right? I can see a helplessness from the parents, but at the same time, it's almost like, well, if there's nothing I can do, it's almost like a good clean slate to say, well, then what can I do other than the things that are out there? Is there anything else that I could be doing that would give me power that would feel really cool to do? Like maybe, which is obviously why we're doing this, this movement, right? What else is out there that we could draw power from? And not just us draw power from, but our children. Yeah. For our children to not grow up knowing themselves as less than or knowing themselves as broken or that there's something missing or they just got handed down the short end of some stick. The bad genes. Sorry, kid. And, And because of society having a measuring stick of what is good and what is not normal, um... And, and having this label create a whole other set of unnecessary um, disruptions in their lives. Yeah. And, and what I was, perhaps it's a complicated concept. What I meant to say is like, sometimes when we, when, when, when we say it's just how it is in life, it's God's will and there's nothing you can do. It's almost more powerful to start thinking, oh, okay, well, um, supposedly there's nothing I can do. What could I do? Is there something I'm not, you know, versus just throwing everything down and say, we're screwed here. Let's just cruise to the end of life. Right. So that's where it it takes us back to personal responsibility. Yeah. What does it mean for us to declare ourselves 100% responsible? Ah, I just threw an extra term there. Um, And that's a whole other distinction. One is, what does it mean us as parents to be fully responsible? So are you saying? Is one thing. 
being fully responsible to have a child with ADHD yes. in our lives. Correct. And I think that's really what the episode is about. And and not to bypass what I, it slipped out of my, 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 Your mouth. <laughs> my mouth, which I added, what does it mean to be 100% responsible, which is a whole other conversation. Yes, because uh-huh. if you say genetic disorder, imbalance, blah, 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 as a parent, you feel like you have maybe 25% of, you know, let's give them a medication, maybe some special ed, some exercise, a little bit of food, you know, you do some things that you know you have power over, but I think I would guess that most parents feel that's like 20, 30, maybe 40%, but you're saying 100%. Yes, and I think that's taking the game to another ante, right? Like... What does it mean for us to be and declare ourselves 100% responsible? Yeah. Obviously, that is a statement that triggers many people. It brings up a lot of things for many people. Well, I would say right now, parents listening that have children with ADHD are probably thinking, what the fuck are you talking about, woman? Yes. 100% responsible for my son's disorder? Correct. You better fucking explain it. (laughs) So we have some explaining to do. And again, I'm saying we're not medical professionals. We're not psychologists. We're not experts such like on paper. We're not experts. We're definitely experts because we have a son with ADHD and we've been living with him for 11 years and he's been diagnosed at age seven. So we are somewhat experts in this field as well as any other parent, right? Who has a son, uh, a daughter with ADHD. So I will say, while we're not experts, this is our attempt to explain what does it mean to be 100% responsible when you have a child with ADHD, right? So are you saying, for example, let's say a mother is listening and she says, uh, I'm sorry, but my daughter has ADHD. That's proven, diagnosed. She's taken medication. She's at school in special ed and she's doing better. But when she's not on medication on the weekends, it's a pain in the ass. It's I cry. She punches holes in the wall because she's, she's upset. She doesn't sleep. I can't sleep. So there's an imbalance, right? I read this a lot in ADHD support groups. There isn't necessarily a we're good. Everything's taken care of, right? So mm-hmm. let's analyze that for a moment. How could a parent take responsibility? First of all, let's start with the top, the overview a child has arrived in your womb, right, and is born into your life, and now you find out five, six years later that child has ADHD. How could a parent take responsibility for that? And well, again, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Um, the question is how um, how could a yes? We can go into the how could a parent take responsibility, but maybe prior going down that route, mm-hmm. I'd love to discuss this with you. How is it that we landed for? how do we land in us taking hundred percent responsibility and what sure. is it that led us for us to explore that position and that place, that place. Okay. Um, and being that, that was the, that was the, the, the element that completely shifted paradigms for us in, yeah. in this entire thing. That's why we're here. Today. Exactly. Um, that, that's great. I think you brought it back to our example and we always will share about our son and our experience. That's what this podcast is really grounded in, right? We're not just some people who are making this up and have no relationship to ADHD or have some papers and studies. We actually live with someone who society considers as ADHD. So I would say for us, for myself, when, when the the, when we had this PTA meeting and the teacher at the time of the school that our son Kai was at said, you should have him tested. I think he has ADHD. For me, what started ensuing after that was this feeling of powerlessness in a sense of like, oh, wow, we were the unlucky ones. We got handed a son that's got a disorder. Um, it sounds like from what we sort of initially heard that medication is a must or is the, th- the way to go. Um, I saw this almost, I hate to say enslavement, but I saw a, a life where not to the degree if you have somebody in the wheelchair, right? Or you have a, a child who, who like a handicap. really has a handy, a physical handicap or a mental handicap that makes it almost impossible to function in this world without support, constant support. But still, I felt a little bit of that. There was a bit of that, yeah. Of that disempowerment. And I think because you and I had done a lot of transformational work for 
um, 10 years almost prior to that mm -hmm. yearly, right? We'd taken a lot of seminars and really looked at what it means to be powerful and take responsibility. And thanks to that, I think I felt like, okay, I don't feel a lot of power around it. How can I have power? And by power, if you're listening, I mean, not like go back and yell at the teacher and say, F you, we're not going to blah, 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 blah. Just power isn't like, how do I feel good about creating a life with my family that's inspiring and loving and I feel good about it? I think that's a good distinction of what power is, because I think many people would think power exactly that. Power is not force. Exactly. Power is not having, you know, going anti-pharma and, and, you know, protesting and fighting against and fighting right. against the institution or the educational institution who's doing this. It's not, that's not the type of power we're talking about. No. It's the type of power of like, like we actually have a way, like our lives feel fulfilled and that our yeah. lives feel, feel like they are, that we're not sacrificing things. And it's almost like saying you have a choice that will be, will lead to fulfillment or balance in the family. That's power to me. Like. I can choose to go about it this way because in the end, this way is going to be better than that way. Yeah. And that, that's a great way to, to distinguish it. I'm glad that you're fine tuning that distinction because I think that was the first time that we encountered a situation where we were told there's something up with your son and most likely medication is the way to go. If you don't, he, you're looking at him having the life of a thug. He's going to end up, I won't use that word, thug. No, they uh, said he's going up, to end up self-medicating with drugs. Self-medicating with drugs. And some end up in jail. Those were the words. Correct. Um, so that's, that's what we're looking at, right? That's the pain point of a parent going like, oh, shit, I don't want that. Exactly. And, but even saying, I don't want that, give me the medication. I, let's avoid th that entire scenario, medicate yeah. my child, the right thing to do. Even that doesn't feel like a fulfilled life. Like we now have a child that is totally m drugged up. That has a, well, <laughs> that and is, not to make that wrong, if you're listening and your children are on medication, we're not judging that from a wrong or right. We're judging it from if someone, if someone's child is on medication and the family is truly at peace and fulfilled and everything else yes. works, and I mean, everything else works good on you. Correct. Because please Absolutely. continue that. Absolutely. If not, we're just saying with our movement, look a little deeper, look in other corners, listen to other stories. Perhaps you can draw power from that. Yeah, I think, and it, it's just in our particular situation. And as Roma mentioned, if anybody's made the choice to give medication to their children and they feel that it's actually improved the quality of life and it's made everyone feel a greater sense of, 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 of uh, groundedness and, 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 and goodness in, in the overall well-being of the family, absolutely, more power. Um, but I think in our sense, it was the first time that we were confronted with just checking in with our guts and be like, what feels good, right? Like, what feels right, right? That, yes, we can have a very official document of a very official expert person who's focused on doing these diagnoses, you know, one after the other, one of, you, know, you know, they've seen it, they've seen it as expert as they get in, in being able to, you know, dictate and label and say, yes, this is an official case of ADHD. And yes, medication is what's needed, which is our, in our case, yep. where we can take something that by the agreement of society, the medical psychiatric world, it, it's a definitive that this is the case. It we, has agreement. It has an agreement, exactly, yeah. where we can take something like that and still look at it and be like, <clears throat> excuse me, or we can look at a document like that and be like, yes, it's saying one thing at the same time. It just does not feel right, right? Right, right. And you could say it's a very subjective thing. It's a very subtle thing, right? Um, yet it just did not feel right for us. It did, and I think you tapped into why it did not feel right for us. I think for what we now know, after doing all these personal development work, seminars, and we've done years and years and years of it, that, and th those are very different work than parenting or... <laughs> or, or business or, or right, education, yeah. Right, but, um, 
but we could like now feel the difference from like, you know, we now know what it feels to be in a place of disempowerment as much as a place of empowerment. And this one felt so completely unempowering for us. And I think that was the beginning of going, of thinking like, there's gotta be something else, right? Like, and you know what, a, a, a an important point for me was when, when you, you started crying, you had, you started to get sort of emotional right after she had said that, right? She said, I think your child has ADHD. And, and for purposes of our listeners, um, Roman's referring to the day, the first time yeah. uh, a teacher told it was us during a PTA meeting at the Correct. school. Um, this teacher said to us that our son might have ADHD, and you you started crying. And I remember her looking at you with you know with love, um, saying, "It's okay, don't worry, you'll get used to it." And I remember those words, and I remember remember seeing her emotions. And it didn't quite click for me because what I heard was this is normal, right? Quote unquote normal that you will first cry. Then you get used to it. Like as in there's nothing you can do. You have a broken child. Like you, you just accept it. Mm -hmm. Right. And we'll talk about acceptance later as well. Of course you do want to accept, you know, certain things in life fighting isn't going to make a difference. But in this case, she said, you know, well, your son's broken and don't worry, it's normal to cry first, but then you get used to it. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that I thought used to which part that you have a broken child, right? And it almost felt like an unspoken agreement to continue that label of you now have a disordered child. And that didn't feel right to me. Yeah. Not, not, no offense against her. I know her daughter was on medication and there was other teachers at that school that were on medication and you know, so forth, but it didn't resonate. And I had to say to myself, I'm not going to accept that just yet. Right. Yeah. And you and I had many discussions. I mean, for those of you listening, for those parents listening, we've had probably three moments within maybe a six months period where we thought maybe we need to medicate him. Maybe he is really kind of out there and he doesn't behave and stuff. And that was while we were still at the same school because we had also tried, like they had re recommended, occupational therapy and behavioral therapy. And we did that and, and a therapist came to the school and as you know, we went through that and it was a horrible experience. We'll do another episode on that. But um, we tried that and we did question medication again and again until I think for me, I realized that it still wouldn't be an empowering feeling to have that happen. Of course, not just because I don't know what these dr drugs do, to a child, right? To a child's brain, long-term effects, side effects, and so forth. Besides that medical stuff, it didn't feel right in my gut. Yeah, and I think to add to that, what also did not feel right to me was observing, just really feeling into who my son was and, and knowing his vibrancy and knowing his creativity and knowing his... You know, some people would call it impulsivity, but at the same time, he would do it so much confidence about it. And like very like unique qualities that that were very powerful. Like they were like that He questioned things. He questioned things that yes, you know, he if he was in a classroom I could see him checking out because he's yeah. just not buying it. Yeah. You know, and he was a disruptor. Correct. A questioner and, of reality, right? Correct. And, you know, we are, our backgrounds are, in, in, we're creatives, Roman's filmmaker, my background's in design, and we're in, you know, when at the same time we're observing in the design world concepts of like, of innovation and thinking about... Outside the box. Outside the box and... What's new, what's innovative, right? Exactly. And, and these things were not, and here I am observing my own son having these qualities and then feeling this this clash from the educational system not recognizing those or, or, or seeing any value in them it blows my mind but in but doing the complete opposite but yeah. rather saying yeah. completely out of line not fitting in here needs to fit, fit in to continue so that that was the beginning for me to begin to kind of break this 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 um 
um, what's the word? Uh, Cycle or? Yeah, to start breaking this construct that we've had around education, that it's, that you can't question it. Right. That traditional education is the way it it is and it has been. And um, since the industrial revolution. Exactly. Things haven't really been questioned. Exactly. And if it doesn't fit that paradigm, paradigm i don't know the paradigm, word, yeah. paradigm. <laughs> if it doesn't fit that paradigm then it doesn't belong there then it's it's wrong right it's not normal correct and that that was the beginning of of, of me questioning it going like no it doesn't feel yes he's not exactly adhering to everything that traditional format has at the same time there's so much more value of the things he's bringing in, and then who's valuing those? <laughs> like, I just had a who's who's who's, who's recognizing right, those and right. actually saying you're actually pretty genius in these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, well, a lot yeah. of that's why, uh, as we have discovered in a documentary, a lot of disruptors and innovators in today's world, just to mention somebody like Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or uh, even uh, Mark Zuckerberg, people who've dropped out of high school or college, right? Because they figured this isn't going to serve me and this isn't going to really let me unfold and I am already ahead of the curve. I'm more curious and curious about learning than they're allowing me to be, right? That system, I just had this vision that 20 years from now, we're going to look back just like we now look back at when doctors used to sell cigarettes and they used to literally say cigarettes are approved by doctors. Yeah. And you look back now and you go like, oh my God, what were we thinking? I think there's going to be a time in 20, 30 years, mm. hopefully sooner, where we look back and go, remember we used to medicate kids to be able to fit into that one school system. And now we have like six school systems and now different learners can learn differently. Mm. And, mm. you know, I just got yeah. present to that because that's all it is, is kids don't naturally start to act like there's something wrong with them until they hit some kind of schooling age. It could be preschool for some. For most of them, the, the diagnosis is around, you know, hitting school age, kinder or, or first grade. So like between five and seven, right? And so a lot of them grow out of it once they're done with school. There's actually studies, right? So again, w- you and I, what we felt was like, here's this old antiquated school system telling us that our son wasn't made for it. And we're thinking, well, yeah, it's 2012. Our son is of the next generation. Uh, he's not going to respect just sitting down, listening to a teacher up front who's has a boring teaching style and who's teaching boring stuff that's antiquated that he can Google in YouTube now, right? So let's go back there for a second because we were clear something needed to happen and we stuck it out for that school year with some therapy, um, with a, a, an occupational therapist coming to school mm-hmm. that did not work out. That was actually a pretty bad experience for Kai. And um, we asked for a placement. It didn't happen. And then we stopped it. And then the school year ended. And we decided to move uh, Kai from a fairly traditional school model over to self-directed uh, education, child-led, right, at Play Mountain Place in Culver City. So... The point here is I feel as parents, we took responsibility that in that environment, our son wouldn't foster and thrive and we would have to turn to medication, which didn't feel right. So we actually took it upon us and most parents listening know what it takes to switch schools. It's not an easy task, right? Uh, We'd rather be comfortable and stay there and, and maybe medicate or it's easier if for other reasons could be financial. But we said we are responsible for our son's well-being and we're going to find a school that works for him. Correct. And Correct. that was our next move. Correct. Yeah, that was the beginning for us to step into responsibility. And and yes, every parent is responsible for their children and every parent exerts responsibility but by always choosing. I think all of us, there wouldn't be a parent saying, I, I'm not making a choice for my child that I wouldn't feel is the responsible thing to do. It just depends what they've been taught and how they're raised is what responsibility is. It's not just it's your child because it has a birth certificate and you should raise it. Right. So I think that's the difference from 100% responsibility to like it is the responsible thing to do. Yeah. Yes, I think you. it could also be argued that the responsible thing to do is to follow what the doctors say. And right. The diagnosis said he needs medication, so that is the responsible thing to do. Right. Quote, unquote. It could look that way, and it often does, you know. Correct, and I think that's why many parents choose to do that, right? 
sorry, I, I had this and remind me, I don't want to interrupt you now, but I want to talk about asthma as well and this little experience you and I had. Okay. Um, so I just want to distinguish that form of responsibility because no parent would deny that they would do something irresponsible for their children knowingly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yet, um, yet for us as that's how we started this episode, what does it mean for us to be personally responsible and what does it mean for us to take a hundred percent responsibility? And, and what that does and what that means for us is to actually take it inward within ourselves and declare ourselves the cause in the matter of what is taking place. So it's a difference between doing what's supposed to be the responsible thing based on society's uh, norm, which is an external um, mm -hmm. measurement, right? Mm -hmm. Society says blank, right? Society says this is the responsible thing to do right? by, by dic dictation of a a doctor or an educational system, et cetera, right? Uh, versus declaring ourselves responsible, right? In control of our response for what we're experiencing. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify that because mm -hmm. this is what began our process as we were encountering these situations of, um, of Kai um, not doing well in in school getting the diagnosis us not choosing the medication route getting exploring other routes and those weren't successful either um and as we are in a way exhausting our our op quote-unquote options i think that exhaustion of those options is what led us to then look at the last thing we could look at which is ourselves Right. Like you and me. And who are we being as parents? Who are we being with... As husband and wife. Husband and wife. As the choices, business owners, workers. The you know. choices we're making around our lives. Right. Um, and, and it was that point of view that started to open up new insights and new more choices mm -hmm. when we thought there weren't that many. That's where... Um, that began to open ourselves to self-directed schooling, which is something that we had, we were aware of before. Well, we had heard about it, but we, we had, thought it's this kind of hippie pigs we, in the mud, kind of like nothing gets done here. They're just like, it's like daycare. We thought, well, that's not going to educate a child. Right. Like we, because we had it. Education is knowledge, IQ, like learning academia. Right. Up until then we were kind of in the same boat as most parents are. They think when they hear education or school, you have to inhale knowledge, right? Okay. And we now, and this is jumping forward, be it, we're, we're now aware of that the most important knowledge or the most important learning really happens at the level of play, emotional intelligence, relationships between children, problem solve, conflict resolution, all the things that you can't really learn and memorize but you have to experience them in exactly. a context Exactly, but had safe. we not opened ourselves up to now right. step into this form of education, right. Right. I think it's what began to just continue to solidify this new position of like, okay, great, how else can we continue to be 100% responsible? Well, and I just want to say two things. First of all, I'll, I'll go with the quicker one, which is I remember going to the new school and explaining what had happened to us. And I remember the um, Judy, who's leading the school, said, you know, she was listening. She was one of the most amazing listeners ever, right? She was listening with compassion. She didn't interrupt. She didn't say anything. She just listened, listened, listened. So when we were done, she just kind of smiled. And I was thinking like, okay, wait, but, but, but you're supposed to say something now. Like, well, what we do here with children who have ADHD is blah, 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 right? And she didn't say anything. And I remember saying... So how do you guys deal with children who, you know, and she was like, you, you know, I know what? And I said, you, you know, that, that have uh, ADHD. Or, and I remember her looking at me and she said, yeah, we have kids here who are more energetic and perhaps, uh, 
you know, go from one thing to the next, but that's what we're all about. We want them to explore what they want to experience at any given moment and have that freedom to do so. And I was like, huh. And I remember her saying, don't worry. Even if your children are not going to read and write at the same speed as other kids, and they're not going to do homework and have grades, and there's going to be kids of all ages, you just have to trust that they will have a true childhood. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. And that was our kind of like, yeah, let's give this. And I remember talking to one of the teachers, Trudy, who was also in our film, who uh, three weeks in, I said, hey, Trudy, can I ask you questions? So now that you've seen Kai, like, does he have, you know, do you think he has ADHD? And she's like, I don't think he has anything. He's just a kid. He's amazing. He's creative. He's helping us. He challenges our ways of being and we grow and he and he's he's loud sometimes but people calm him down like he's he's just a kid and I remember thinking like wow how come this isn't the norm in education out there we'll get into why but so I just want to say that was the moment for me when I realized okay we trusted our intuition we went inside and we said how can be we be responsible first of all it was switching schools I would say to anyone listening, you don't have to switch schools. If you can't switch schools right now, I get it. But one of the first things to look at is, is that the right school for your child, right? Because we always think, oh, it's the right school for my child because that's the school that will feed into this uh, Ivy League track. And yes, it is the right school for my child. So I just need to medicate him so he'll get through it. We will say that if it's not the right school for the child, that's the first place to look and create change. And there's options. There's many options. There's financial help. There's co-ops. There's, you know, I'm not trying to point any fingers, but when someone says we can't, to me, that's what you were referring to earlier. That's not really taking responsibility for, to be powerful right. in a situation. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I think it was stepping into the space, into the school that already, in a way, challenged our old forms of thinking. Big it time. challenged the type of education we thought was normal and typical and and what every child, like we went to traditional schools ourselves. And there's no reason why our children should follow exactly on the same path. And uh, so it really challenged that. And as we continued in this education, there was so much um, really great emphasis on teaching parents um, emotional intelligence and uh, nonviolent communication and new ways to interact with children and give them the space for their emotions and things that were, were actually very new to us. And uh, I like what you said yesterday. We've, we've actually gotten more effective parenting lessons at that school in like, what, five hours every six months than we had ever gotten before in our lives. At least for me. Yeah, no, for for me too. And 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 what was interesting for me is that it was all those those lessons that we were getting as parents within the school on even doing something as simple as how to be with their emotions that I learned so much about my own emotions and about how I would get triggered with my with Kai whenever he was being very like Conf you know, what for me, I would register in my brain as he's been confronting, he's been, um, you know, a little demanding, demanding or, or yeah. never saying thank you and never, you know, right. like all these things that he wasn't conforming, quote unquote, I would get very triggered. And then all of a sudden I would go into like reaction mode of, you know, wanting to raise my voice or put him in his place or do all sorts of stuff that... Um, that you could say we're justified, quote unquote, as a parent of a child who's not behaving, quote unquote, right? Yeah. Um, it really challenged me on that. And it also gave me a new place to stay as in why am I getting triggered? And that was the beginning of me saying, how can I be 100% responsible? Because clearly there's work that I need to do as a parent, work that is 100% on me to look at. Yeah to look at, right? Here's my son who's been placed in my life and he is pushing certain buttons. And can I possibly stand in a place to say, it's not, there's something wrong with him for pushing my buttons, but more like 
let me look at these buttons that are getting pushed yeah. and why. And right? do you like it when he pushes your button? Do you like how you react? Does it fulfill your life? If not, there's some work to be done that gives us, gives you power. Yes, because who I would become whenever he would push my buttons wasn't a very nice person. Yeah. I was a very angry mom. And I will say we, we still are going through this. I mean, you had a moment, what, a week ago, right? Um, I had have moments here and there where I just become a jerk, where I'm like reacting from my triggers and my I, I'm not handling my emotions but he reminds us again and again so we can work on it. Yes, and this is where like a big realization started to dawn on me of like the same things that he would trigger me. No, his, let's see, the things that would get triggered in me, not that he is doing that to me. He just does what he does. Yeah. More like the things that were getting triggered in me were the exact things that I know from personal development work are the things that I'm working on. I've been working on in, in transforming within me. And, uh, and at the same time, these are the things that he already possessed. And what I mean by yeah. that is there's a strength and confidence that he has that he's very certain about certain many things. Yeah. And when he delivers things with certainty, I get triggered. I would get triggered from like, how dare you speak with so much confidence right or cockiness i would brashness exactly i would my brain would register it being like you are being cocky you're being brash you're not being grateful exactly you're not being uh supportive of everybody else it's almost like everything that you were taught in your upbringing in ecuador right and me in switzerland which is be nice don't be too cocky uh don't be too loud you know right and fit in which is interestingly enough is the things that I know that are part of my past where I was very shy, very unconfident with myself, um, making myself wrong that I can't be great, right? But rather make yourself small and, you know, don't stick out, don't, right? Mm -hmm. All these things. And here he is that he is confident about himself and he is. So it was like a perfect, it, it was just, for me, it was just like very, um, it was like a funny joke from the universe. It's like, wow, he, I'm receiving a child that is so perfectly tailored for me that came to this life to push my buttons exactly where I need to be pushed, right. not to make my life miserable, but rather what an amazing opportunity if yeah. I choose to see it that way for me to look at myself and yeah. actually be like, what's, what, what belief must I be holding onto that is, is, is triggering these set of emotions and um i will say right now that i think you've gone full circle and you've simplified the concept of taking full responsibility because in that moment if you say it's not him it's what i can do over here that might eventually even transform him right yes we are the environment in which they grow in and if you suddenly have those triggers and they're and he's you're no longer triggered and you respond to him with love, he may start appreciating that and go, and he has, I've seen it with Kai yes. where he comes up to you and he goes like, thank you, mom, I love you yes. out of the blue. And yes. you're like, what? <laughs> yes. And so what we're saying here with take full responsibility is that if we don't make it about other people, that they're the ones pushing our buttons, like you said it so beautifully, they do what they do. And then over here, it triggers what it triggers, not because of them, but it's in our past. It's how our parents were with us. It's how we were raised. It's the reflexes we've come to yes. use, right? Without even, I mean, it's unconscious, right? Parenting is pretty much just a reflex. Yes, for the yes. Most Unless we are standing in a place of responsibility where yeah. we yep. are, where we are in full awareness yep. of what our buttons are, so we can be in full choice of how we're choosing to react on yep. the moment of those those buttons being pushed. Yep. And the beauty and the, I'll use the word gift. I think that the gift it has been to have had Kai in his full, in his full fullness of who he is and not make him or label him as there's something off in him, but rather 
what is up in my world, right? The, the gift that has come from that is that for myself, and Roman, you can speak for yourself, I know for myself, it, it really began the journey of questioning other areas in my life. Like, for one, yeah, yeah. who was I being as a mother, right? How was I showing up as a mother? I was showing up as a very, oh, what's the word? I was very... Um, Busy. Very triggered mother who, mm. whenever he was out of line or whenever, I would just go into full anger and I would use force and I would raise my boys. And I'm, you know, for those who know me, they know me, I'm not a very explosive personality and I'm, I tend to be very, very calm person, but at home, like I would get explosive. Yeah. And, and, uh, like an explosive mother. And at the same time, it had me question the, where all my anger was coming from. And it was actually, was coming from my, my business and my work. I've been, I had been so focused in building my business for the past 12 years that my life was all about my work and because my it gave, it gave you clients, value, it gave you value and importance, my right? clients and my employees and mm. the daily work and the daily hustle. And that was what my life was about. And, and then going deeper, it had me get, okay, why was my, that so important to me? And that uncovered that ugly truth that it was so important to me because it was, it truly was my form of validation. Like yeah. I, as I had shared with you, I always had this, fear of feeling like I don't matter and, or that I'm not good enough or important enough. And sure Mm -hmm. enough, the business just fulfilled that in such a big way. So it became my form of validation, survival validation. And, and that's why I gave myself a hundred percent to my business. So by the time I would come home as a mother, there was so little there left for, to be present with my kids to listen to their emotions and to listen to, right? So, so. And mine. <laughs> and, and yours. Right. Then that's a whole other side of it, right? Like right, right. me being present as a wife and, you know, and, and also recognizing that the environment that we're creating for our children is a combination of one, who we are for ourselves. Second, who we are with our partner, our husband, our husband and wife, right? And then, and then together we create a third unit, which is the partnership. And what is that partnership of parenthood being with the children, right? There's all these environments that are affected starting with the self. And so there was all this ball of wax that, you know, I can now in retrospective look at it with a lot of clarity. Obviously, yeah. while I was in the middle of it, you're in the guck and you're just stressed, you know, things are awful. Your child is getting called from the principal's office. It's a struggle. You know, you're an autopilot in your relationship with your husband, you know, and it's like, oh shit, this is life, you know? (laughs) And now you got to medicate the child. Oh shit. You know, it's like, right. Like you're, you're just stuck in the duck. I will say, I'm going to say something. But let me just, I'll just finish that. I, I, all this was the gift that I want to say got Mm. unlocked. Yeah. The gift of awareness the gift of introspection and the gift of having the opportunity be given the opportunity by my son to look at myself. Yeah. And, yeah. and once I had awareness, have new choices, powerful choices that I chose to make for myself. And we made, made choices as in partnership with right. Roman right. on new things. I since then have now, shifted my, my career from, you know, shifted my presence in the business, uh, to back to being a strong presence as a mother at home with my kids to my, not just Kai, but also my other son, which allowed me. And that's a whole separate conversation to step up as a man, as a father, as a provider, because I was hiding behind, uh, your success or your busyness. And, you know, I did my things, but I, I've never stepped up quite the way I have now. Yeah. And this is sort of a message to the, the, the couples out there perhaps where, where the man is not stepping up, you know, there's an, there's an imbalance between the masculine and feminine. That's a whole nother a podcast. Whole other conversation. We're going to do that in a different yeah. time. Please tune in for that as well. Cause we've learned a lot with through mentors in that arena, but you're right. 
it was this this complete change, right, that we embarked on. But before we go there, that that, that in itself is a, is a different episode of things we've changed, right, to, to get here. Um, I wanted to say, I wanted to speak to something you said, which, and we have this saying in our in our documentary pitch deck in our materials that says children with ADHD, you know, are trying to tell us something, mm. but we're not listening. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by that is not that they're actually trying to speak and say, mom, dad, uh, I need more attention. Although I agree that's the case. Well, uh, they don't have an attention deficit. They need more attention. Well, that True attention. That is absolutely one right? of the things they're saying. But yeah. even more so, like you said it, they're, they're here as teachers. So what they're saying, but they're not really using words is I'm just being myself. If anything comes up for you, eh, you know, give it a look. Maybe there's something to transform. Now they're not saying that, but the power that we're talking about, the responsibility that a parent can stand in or come from is to say, just like you did, huh, he triggers this in me. If I could transform that on my end, not only will I be happier, Mm -hmm. let's see if he will be happier. Mm -hmm. And we're here to say, it fucking works. Yeah. And one last thing I will say, had we not had a son like Kai, we have another son, Etienne, who's very calm, considered as a non-ADHD child, right? Very quote unquote normal child, mellow, listens, is grateful, loving, right? All the things. Follows instructions. Follows instructions. All the thing, the, the, the perfect child for a parent out there thinking, oh my God, thank you. That would be so much better. But had we just had him, and I'm going to add something, or had we medicated Kai, in both cases, we would have had a flat line of never having to deal with what was really not working yeah. in our family, Yes, which was anything from career, busyness, our marriage, the way we parented, diet, having a nanny instead of being present, living in the city instead of in the country, which yeah. now we changed. All these things yes. we would have never yes. looked at because things would have been okay, manageable, quiet, non-disruptive, continue on the rat race, right? So I just want to point that out. That was a great example that you mentioned is that that's the example of actually stopping and saying, I think there's something I can do here. He's not the problem. Yes. And you, you brought up a new point, which is the surprising discovery that came from from that because from you know, step one is yes, taking responsibility, right? And shifting things inward. And someone may say, well, that's great. Good for you. You, you change all sorts, sorts of stuff for yourself. Good for you. Yeah. But then the surprising thing about it is that it doesn't just shift myself per se, but it, it, we now discover that it has shifted him as well. Him having a mother that is now truly authentically present that is now, has now been in full responsibility of managing her own triggers. Mm -hmm. It has me show up completely different in a way that it has him show up completely different. Yeah. Also having me shifted other areas of what was, why was I hustling so much for my business? Right. Because I was afraid of all sorts of stuff of being in poverty. I had a a fear of not having enough and like really looking at those fears I had. Yeah. Scarcity scarcity conversations that I had that come from blah, 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 my past. And, but, but for me to address them and look at them and then, you know, bring those to the forefront and bring that into the partnership with Roman and have clarity about it. And, and, and that allowed me to, it allowed a whole other set of conversations of dynamics between both of us where he can step up so that with certainty, so he can provide, so I can, you know, not have to be a true partner to him and support him on our our endeavors, but not have to worry that I have to hustle so that I can be present for my children. It was like a whole other shift, right? Absolutely. That now has our son be in the presence of a mother, father that are fully aligned in how right. we're moving forward and right. that there's no, no, um, that uncertainty that we were projecting, right. And in, in his world. So, and I think this also applies and we're going to do a different episode on, 
uh, single parents or divorced parents because that pattern is out there and it's evident. I see it in a lot of support groups for ADHD parents that there's a lot of single parents and divorced, right? Or uh, doing it on their own and, and perhaps they cannot relate to parts of what we're saying right now, but the same thing applies is that we, we have, if we're single or divorced, we have our parents as partners, we have our friends as partners. There's always a partner that we can uh, play with and say, I want your support in uh, transforming this trigger. Like, please count, you know, call me out on it. Or I want your support physically in helping me watch my child, perhaps when I need to vent and go hit a boxing bag or do something and really express my emotions in front of an adult instead of my children, right? There's ways to take responsibility. I just wanted to point that out, but that will be, we want to do a separate episode on that. But we, um, just in the interest of time, because I know you have a, a one o'clock coming up, um, I want to bring it back around to taking responsibility. I think this is definitely going to have many episodes. We're going to continue part two, part, you know, three, four on responsibility, because this is sort of the biggest nut to crack you and I've noticed, right? How would we sum this up? So taking responsibility means, let's do a little popcorn back and forth what it means. Well, I can say it does not mean, can I do it does not? Absolutely. <laughs> taking responsibility does not mean you're at fault it does not mean i did something wrong yes and and it also does not mean that you caused it intentionally to show up as bad or yes not working it does mean that you can own your actions so in other words what what's in front of you is in front of you what's in front of you yes it does mean that you can declare yourself as what's in front of me is an action. If, if you had something to do with it, then you can own that something to do with it. Yeah. So for example, if you have a son in front of you with ADHD, you had something to do with it because you gave birth to this person. Yeah. So he's here. Yeah. She's here. Yeah. Right. So going back and forth, I think being responsible means never stopping to look if there could be a more empowering and fulfilling way to solve something, never giving away your power by saying there's nothing I can do because obviously that's mm. not powerful mm -hmm. and that's not taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Responsibility, taking responsibility means to me, taking responsibility. I don't know if this is what it means, but I know it is an access to fulfillment. Mm. Taking responsibility, full responsibility to say, I'm going to continue looking for what I can do here, even though it seemed, I seem helpless, it seems impossible, right? Will bring up the things that need to be addressed underneath it all, which we just talked about, right? You taking or us taking full responsibility showed us the marriage wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Our parenting was shaky. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. our son wasn't getting the attention he needed. All that stuff came up because we said, what can we do? It's not him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think taking responsibility is the most responsible thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you for listening. This was certainly an interesting episode. And, and guys, we are exploring this as we go. We want to act the way science says they're acting, although I don't think they always do that, or scientists. We say that we are in the exploration of the truth uh, behind something like ADHD in this case. We um, are constantly open to new ideas and, and, and challenges and questions. If you have any questions, please email us. Um, you can go to ADHDisover.com for now, and there'll be a, a, a place to email us uh, about the podcast. Um, we love to have a dialogue. We'd love to include your question in one of the episodes. And I just want to say, look, being in this world is, is, is a, a big responsibility. Being human is a big responsibility. Having a child that's different, that's not quote unquote normal, is a big responsibility, but also a blessing we feel that our son has completely changed our lives yeah. for the better because we listened to what he was not saying 
but had we medicated him, we would have never been able to challenge and transform all these areas in our lives. Which in turn have actually made us and the entire family to a whole other level of happiness. Yeah. And uh, balance. And fulfillment that would not have been possible. So let's listen to what our kids are actually saying, not what we think they're saying or they're trying to say. Life coaches they are, those little ones, huh? Anyway, mm -hmm. until next time on ADHD's Over, have an amazing day. Bye.